It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Tonya Dwyer Esquire, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Yay! I'm my own superhero. <laughs> you are a superhero. Hey, what does Esquire mean at the end of someone's name? Yeah. So Tanya Dyer Esquire. Esquire basically means that you're a practicing attorney. So I have spent, um, gosh, what, four years in undergrad, three years in law school, and then over 20 years as a high-conflict divorce lawyer. So I actually have my own law firm. Well, that I, thank you for sharing that. That's enlightening, to say the least. And, <laughs> like, when people are quite being qualified for high-conflict divorce attorneys, do they need to fill out a form saying, out of 1 to 10, I hate my spouse? Like, is it 7 and above that gets you into one of those things? You, you can tell. I mean, probably your listeners were young. There, there was an older movie called The War of the Roses, which was about a divorce, and it was just – it was an all-out battle. And so I specialized in, in the nasty ones. So um, custody, parental alienation, um, multi-million dollar estates where people are fighting over they're fighting over everything. One of my one of my favorite cases they were uh we we'd finally gotten it settled. We had every I this is not a joke. We had every last thing settled and divided. Kids, money, property, and there was a single Coleman camping lantern. It was a Coleman, I know it was a Coleman camp. It was a Coleman camping lantern and then they fought over that. And so I was feeling really smart. I went to Walmart and I bought a new one. And I thought, now, I because I'm not even going to, at hundreds of dollars an hour, have this debate. And you know what happened, Laban? They fought over the new one. They're like, oh, well, there's a new one. I want that one. I'm like, no, 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 no. So that's, uh... <laughs> but yeah, I used to do that in, in, in even domestic violence cases. It's it's the the cases that take boxes and boxes and, and tend to go for a year plus. That's heavy stuff. Sounds like soul-sucking stuff, potentially. It was. You know, it's funny, and 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 I'll tell people what I I'll, – I'll give people the bridge of what I'm doing now and, and where I was coming from. So um, my company is The Art of Self-Rescue, and I help alpha women end struggle, sacrifice, and settling in marriage. I'm, I'm teaching women that sacrifice is not love. 
And one of the fun things about my coaching actually is that it's guaranteed. I don't know any other coaches that guarantee their coaching, but wow. I guarantee mine. That's a yeah. big deal. Folks. I tell you, I work for God. I work for God and I do not fail. So why wouldn't my thing be guaranteed? If you don't fail, you have giving a guarantee is not a big deal. But my origins, my origins, you go back far enough, is I was I was this high conflict divorce lawyer for all these years. And so I learned what took businesses and families and marriages and tore people apart. And so I'm really the best person to actually put them together and keep them together. It's like going to, uh, you know, you, you met people, the, the marriage counselors out there, and they're just like, I'm going to help you save your relationship. I've been married to John, who is the kindest, gentlest man for 40,712 40, years. So I'm going to help you. And you're like, you're going to help me what exactly? Like what conflict have you ever encountered <laughs> that you that you deeply understand that you could help me with? So a, a lot of the people in the industry, they come from attacking the symptom. They don't go for the root causes. They believe that their perfect idyllic marriage qualifies them to help other people with seriously messed up, emotionally abusive, you know, highly dysfunctional relationships. Um, and they just teach people wrong. And it, it bothers me. So that's my calling. God gave me the credentials to do this. And, and now instead of being the evil divorce lawyer, um, I help women turn things around. It's being pretty harsh, isn't it? Evil divorce lawyer. <laughs> it's like the necessary people evil. People do not like lawyers. Like we, I used to tell my friends, we, I was in a car and they were being pulled over by some police officers and I was in the back seat and I was like, don't tell them I'm a lawyer. They're like, what? I'm like, just, I don't care what you tell them. I'm a prostitute. If you want, do not tell them I'm a lawyer. If I'm a prostitute, they'll leave me alone. If they think you have a lawyer in the car, they're going to screw with you. People do not like lawyers. Um, to be fair, this is the 80-20 principle. Because 80% of lawyers, nah, mm, not so good. 20% are really, really good. 80% not so good. And people, people, the only time people could contact the legal system, usually they, they get into contact with one of these lawyers and they don't have a good experience and boom. So we all get tarred and feathered by the same brush. Well, just just quickly on that, Tonya, what, what is, uh, what's three key things that people can look for to help find a good one? Oh, okay. Good one. Yeah. That's, I dig that in one of my books. It could be, could be so, more than three, but. Yeah. So I, the way, and I'll actually tell you how to find the lawyer. This is what I tell people all the time. Cause people, I'm in Australia now, which is a good story in and of itself. Maybe I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but how I, how, how, how did the, the, the divorce lawyer from Georgia end up in Australia? The first thing you want to do is you want to start with the most expensive lawyer you can find. So you go to what's called the bar. We're called the bar, the bar association. Um, if you're looking for a divorce lawyer, it's domestic law or family law, the family bar. And you find the president of that. So that is going to be the bad assist lawyer you can find. You may not be able to afford that person. That's fine. Call their office. You need to come up with like a two sentence summary of your situation. Like I've got a 20 year marriage with crazy custody issues and minimal property stuff. Can you please refer me to a lawyer who is not as expensive as you, but your company trusts? So you basically go to the top and ask for referrals downward. And you'll eventually, that way you're always getting a lawyer who's competent because a lawyer who's um, at the $500 an hour point 
knows who the $400 an hour good lawyers are. And the 400s know the 300s and the 300s know the 200s and the 200s know a couple hundred and fifties. So that's how you find yourself a lawyer. You have to find a lawyer. This is actually really important advice. It is not so much that you want to really like the person. It's that you have to be able to trust them because this is not about when they tell you something that you agree with. It's about your ability to listen to them when they tell you things you don't agree with. So as a lawyer, when I say you absolutely positively need to go do that thing that you do not want to do and do it right the F now, my clients need to have enough trust in me to grumble and go do it, but not to start getting in their head and not to start Googling. Google is not a good lawyer, everyone. Just saying that out loud. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm, I know I'm bursting bubbles here. I know I'm just ripping the shreds off stuff. Google's not a good lawyer. And then the other one people would tell me would, well, my my sister told me, and I'm like, your sister? They they go to their, their sister's brother's cousin's hairdresser who once had a divorce in North Dakota in 87. And and that's the that's their standard for what they think their case should proceed like. I'm like, eh, not so much. So get a lawyer, get the best lawyer you can get, spend the money. And they need to be somebody who, if they tell you to do something you don't like, if they tell you you're going to lose something and there's no way around it, you need to go, darn, instead of go, I doubt you, I question you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Great advice. Wish we knew that to 24 months ago. <laughs> okay. I have a rule with my clients. You can't make me laugh when I have liquid in my mouth. It's a small rule, but you know, you can't make me laugh. I got liquid in my mouth, but yeah, I, it, it bothers me. Honestly, the, if you have people who are spiritual and I'm, I'm a spiritual teacher and they'll get this, you want you to, you want somebody who is in law as their calling and not their profession. So when I would look at my clients and I'd say, the reason you want me is because this is my calling, not my job. At the time, it's what God was asking me to do. So I was fierce. I was a badass at it. I was just a juggernaut at it because it was my calling. It was it was part of the curriculum of my life that was giving me the skills to become who I am right now. So you want somebody who's who's not doing this because they picked it out of a hat because they thought it would pay the mortgage comfortably. And they're they're grinding their teeth to glass, um, doing what they're doing, but they're 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 enduring it. It's such great advice, and and I think that applies for any anything that you want to hire Everything. someone, right? It's a it's a tough one, but you can directly ask somebody. Like if you really are confused about this, just flat ask somebody: Is this your calling? Because if you ask somebody and it is their calling, they'll immediately answer that it's their calling. Mm-hmm. If it's their calling and they're ashamed to say it's their calling, we've got an issue. So they're going to hesitate. And if it's not their calling, they've never heard the question before. They're confused and they're trying to work out what the right answer is. So it's like, you know, is, is this your calling? Is this is this what you were, you're supposed to be doing? Is this what your soul asked you to do? Uh, Well, I like it. You know, my dad was a lawyer. Pays the bills. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, like it's like you can think of this more easily with, with baking. There are people who can cook, and then there are people who are like artisans, like like their love, like Julia Child's, like their love is in the food. Like there's a difference. Like you could give me, like I'm I'm a pretty good cook, I'm a pretty good bake, but but against the people who are called to do that, ah, ah, 
you know, we talk about your, your, your whole podcast about being a superhero. You're talking about people who found their way to their superhero path, really, because in my opinion, your, your calling is always going to be connected with that inner superhero in you. You, you got it. You got to get on that path because that's going to lead you wherever it is you're supposed to go. So if you're listening to this and this is we're all over the place, but I'm happy to do it this way. If you're listening to this and you're wondering in your heart, I was just, I'm actually teaching this month on mission and purpose. If you're wondering in your heart, if if you're doing the right thing, the way I teach it is everything in the universe kind of has a, a cost to it. There's nothing that's free. Okay. The only time something feels free is when you're near your purpose and your mission, which is to say you can put in two pieces of energy, you get back four. The universe literally cheats when you get near your purpose and your mission and your calling because it's trying to point you in the right direction. So when you get near something that you're supposed to do, you put in a little, you get out a lot, which violates the the apparent law of balance in the universe. But I've just decided that it's how the universe cheats to to point us in the right direction. My initial thought, Tony, would be that it's, it's not in balance. It's making up. For the time that you spent out of alignment, not in your purpose, maybe. What do you think? Of, what do you think of that? Okay. Okay. All right. So, so it is balancing, it's, it's but it's back. it's yeah, it's you get it back. I I I adore talking to people, and I talk. Well, we just came back for three months on the road in the US, and I don't know how many hundred conversations I had with people at supermarkets and gas stations, wherever it might have been, restaurants talking to them about, do you love what you do? Have you figured out your reason for being on the planet yet, right? And because I, I, I figured it out only in the last couple of years, thank you, God. But I, and I say to them, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this, I heard this from a guy, Pat Nassidi in Australia, who I don't actually like that much, but he's a, an inspirational dude. But I don't know, it, I don't know whether he stole it, but it was, um, what, am I, what am I world class at that other people find really challenging? So you can ask someone, what are you, what are you the best in the world at? What are you world class at that other people find challenging? The second thing is, what do people ask you for advice all the time? And then the third question mm-hmm. was, what sets your soul on fire? What, what is it that when you do it, you levitate from the response? And if you can answer those three questions, you're usually well on your way at least to figuring out what your purpose is. Have you got anything to add or subtract or hone? So what I would what I would add to that, <clears throat> those are all actually very positive ways of doing it. And the funny thing is, is humans are actually wired for the negative. Uh, our brains are wired for survival. We're wired to pay more attention to fear and problems and all of these things. So it's actually often easier to give people a negative way to get into it than a positive way. So the negative way of getting into that is. And because I'm a I'm I'm a master of pattern recognition. It's the gift that God's given me. I can spot the pattern in anything. You can tell me one of it, and I'll know if it's a pattern. You want to look for your patterns. You want to look for your messes and your pulls. So the pull is what you're talking about. That's the positive. What's pulling you forward? What's what's lighting you up? But the messes is a very valid way of finding this too. Because remember what I was telling you. God gives you a curriculum to train you, to certify you, to do what it is you're supposed to do. And that's going to be found in your messes. So if you start looking in your messes and you start seeing the patterns in those messes, you start seeing the lesson that you're you're constantly called to do, 
then you start seeing, ah, that's a piece of it. That's a corner of it. That's that's Those are the, the building blocks of whatever it is I'm supposed to do. And when you add your messes and your pulls together, then you really see it. Like one of my huge pulls is spirituality. God, I, I, I'm, I'm dialed into it. I'm actually literally ordained. I've done a, a one wedding and one funeral that covered me. I'm done now. I'm like, okay, I got, I got both of them done. I'm like, one was really, really hard. Three more weddings to go. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get into the movie, like four weddings and three more weddings and I can have that movie, you know? So I, that's a pull for me, you know, and, and studying and learning is that pull for me. My messes, my messes were my relationships. Like any alpha woman, and I'll, I'll explain what an alpha woman is in a minute. Like any alpha woman, um, I had these very predictable messes in my relationships over and over and over again. And what I teach people is, and if you want to write her down or somebody, no fair if you're driving though. It's your pattern, not the people. You can suck the people right out of your life stories. It's the pattern that's controlling the pattern. The pattern is going to give you that same people. Like I'm not a fan of the word narcissist. People overuse it and they use these words, narcissist and codependency and all this. And I'm like, I don't like them that much because once people use them, they tend to feel like things are impossible to shift. But people will come to me and they go, oh my God, oh, I've had these seven narcissists and oh, and I'm like, you know what? You need to figure out what in the actual F is wrong with you. <laughs> It's not normal to have seven narcissists. You're like narcissist one narcissist. You got to number them. Like this is an issue. This is a concern in you. There's a wound in you that needs to be addressed and healed. And one of the ways that the law of attraction works that people don't recognize is that it it not only brings forth what is identical to it, it also brings forth what will heal you. So if you are too needy. You will attract people sometimes that are needy, but also you'll attract people that are very indifferent to your needs. You'll attract people that will aggravate your condition because the life is trying to show you like, wake up, up, (laughs) wake up. You're too needy. So life is trying to show it to you. And the best way to show it to you is to put people in front of you who aggravate it. Did you have you been spying on me for like <laughs> like a Truman Show spy for the last couple of weeks? Because it's so interesting you talk about that. Ah, oh, it's a conversation for another day, but because uh, we're interviewing you today, <laughs> but oh, it's so sorry, people. Sorry, everybody listening. <laughs> Everyone listening, like I'm making a damn note. He promised you. Which- <laughs> Make a note. Hold him to it. Well, I mean, I'd be more than happy to share it, but I think um, another time, another time, because it, it takes quite a bit of backstory as well. But it's so interesting that you bring this up. It, that's exactly what's been happening to me recently. And it's not that I've had seven narcissists, but there's been a couple of incidences recently where people have, acute, like two, have been labeling me the narcissist. And and when I, one, one in particular was uh, so vehement and it's attacking that I, I took the time, before, it took me 24 hours to respond to the message sure. to make sure that there, to see whether there was any truth to it. You, you, can went, see, you unpacked it. You went looking. You went yeah. Because yeah. you, you can see this here, this like world's best courage coach, which for, for, mm-hmm. for people that haven't listened before, this is a declaration that I make. Nothing at all to do with ego, right? And But it triggers 
a small number of people. It's very, very powerful and effective for the majority of the people okay, that it's designed so for. Let me, let, me, let me validate you for a second. I am the best in the world at helping alphas who are in struggling marriages. There isn't anybody better than me at it. If you're an alpha and you have to crawl over broken glass to get to me, break some glass and get going. So that that's that's not actually arrogance or ego. So actually, if you want to understand the spirituality of it, to not claim what you are, because it's fear-based. Can you say the that one more time? Can you say that one more time? Not To not claim what you actually are is fear-based. The only reason I would not claim what is true of me, okay, I have goosebumps on this, so that means God's on board. The only reason I would not claim what is true of me is because I am afraid of your perception, or I'm afraid, or I think I need something from you. I'm trying to manipulate you. I'm trying to control your perception of me, or I'm trying to eggshell walk around your delicate sensibilities or your lack of self-worth and self-esteem and self-trust. It is fear-based to diminish yourself. It's fear-based to not shine if you shine. So if you have a gift and you're the best in the world at something and you say it, if someone's listening to the energy of my words right now, they are not getting narcissism or arrogance. They're just like, holy shit, this woman is really, really good at what she does because I was born to do it because I had the whole shit ton of life experiences that God had me through and I drowned and drowned and drowned until I learned how to swim. And now it is my joy and my pleasure to wade into situations that terrify other people and bring people out the other side. I bring my girls out the other side. I don't fail. So I want you to know that you absolutely should call yourself the world's best courage coach. I personally would take the disclaimer off of it. If if there is somebody that is hearing that and they need a disclaimer, they're not your audience. Think about that for a yeah, second. Yeah, I love they, that. I love that. that. It's like, I, why I would really you have do. to sit around explaining that? I, yeah, I'm not going to anymore. And I, it's not that I do it a lot. It's not that I do it a lot, mm. but like I've done it enough. It is justifying yeah. it unnecessarily. And and I love the way that you spoke about yourself as well, Tonya. Like it really came across. There's only one other person that I've heard communicate that level of confidence, and it's a guy called Steve Hardison. You ever heard of him? He's a coach. He's a coach. Steve Hardison. He's known as the ultimate coach. He's a um, 67 year old Mormon guy out of Mesa, Arizona. And after the show, I'm going to put the link to the show to the, to the two hour YouTube video that I watched that transformed my life in September last year, that led me to calling him and having a conversation that, that led to the world's best courage coach being created. Right. He's all about the power of being and, and uh, I, you'll you'll enjoy this, I promise you that, right? Thank you. Um, to give you an idea, he's two hundred k for fifty hours, and you you only have you only can go to his home to do it. And mm-hmm. uh, he did like a Yarmouth Van Zandt and and a number of high prof- profile people, but he does he's got such a diverse mm-hmm. client base as well. So it's um it's really fascinating, Fantastic. but. But um, and he's become a mentor of mine as well. We're not we're not officially coaching you, but I've had six or seven hours because I co-host the Ultimate Coach podcast, which came about right. And uh, you're the only other person, and that's to to say that I mean that with all my heart is a huge. I don't want to use the word compliment. It is a compliment, but it's more than that. All right, it's a self-assuredness that I don't ever see, 
And and I, I would love for you to just share more of your background and, and explain this alpha because mm. I know people are hangry for this. Yeah. So, you know, it's so first things first. And and by the way, if you've read Laban's book, I've read his book, The Beautiful Woman, he describes Anna, that he he managed it. He pulled that down and I got to meet her for a second and he did good. He did good. <laughs> Bald guy done good. Okay. So I, I was talking to him about Jason's all of 18 seconds. And I was like, yes, yeah, she's an alpha. An alpha woman is a woman. The best way to describe us is actually with the word T-O-O, two. If you're thinking, oh, am I an alpha woman? You are usually told you are too much. You're too loud, too busy, too bold, too brave, too brilliant, too aggressive, too assertive, too confident, too something or another. Um, and where this comes from, and I'm, I'm giving you guys a deep dive in, in a condensed form, is that your alpha, our entire alpha personality is actually a coping mechanism. It's a defense mechanism because in our families of origin, usually somewhere around the age of five, I don't know why, but five is really the magic number for this. Your family breached trust. They taught you that you weren't safe. They taught you that trust doesn't work. They taught you that emotions make you vulnerable and that they should be suppressed. And, and we became literally mercenaries. Alphas are basically mercenaries. We learn to sell our skills to the highest bidder. And that's how we secure ourselves. And that's how we try to get our love. So we are the rescuers, the fixers. Anytime somebody has a problem, they know an alpha, they'll throw you at it. If you're an alpha in your company, your company will give you problems that aren't even in your division. They'll be like, well, let me see if Wendy can take a look at it. And like, not even your issue, but you know what? You get it and you fix it because you have this deep drive to save and rescue everyone because nobody saved and rescued you. You focus on your, basically your masculine. So what happens is your feminine atrophies. When an alpha woman meets a fear-based event, she steps forward. She steps toward it. She goes out. She puts on her armor. She's going to handle it. She's going to wrestle it to the ground and beat it until it's dead. Now, the unfortunate thing is that, and this is how the universe works, an alpha woman is almost always paired with a beta male. The beta male is the opposite. What he learned, because he would have had an alpha mother, and by the way, alpha mothers create alpha daughters and beta boys. I love you for pointing to yourself. I love you dearly. <laughs> He's, what they learn is actually to avoid or to dismiss or to suppress. They want to stay away from problems. So fear comes and they want to take a step back. The alpha women learn to take a step forward. The boys learn to take a step back because remember, they had a mother that took the step forward. So she occupied the masculine space for them. Usually single mom homes. She occupied the masculine. She slayed the dragons. He didn't learn to. But he wanted her love. He wanted her love. He wanted her love. But that alpha woman, you know, the other thing she didn't do, the mother, she didn't express her emotions. She didn't express her feelings. She kept that all about all of her fears. So that little boy didn't learn how to correctly support the natural flow, the ebb and flow of a woman's natural emotions. So alphas learn to buy love by presenting themselves as having no needs. And then these men come up and they're like, oh, you're perfect. You're beautiful. You're brilliant. And they, they, they get with us and they're like, this is great. This is awesome. The wheels usually come off the bus in our marriages in five to seven years because there's too much pulling. She's been pulling and pulling and pulling on him because she's trying to turn him into herself. And he then avoids and resists. He goes into withdrawal. He runs away. You lose the sexual polarity because 
everybody swapped roles here. So it becomes a huge problem. Almost all alpha marriages and relationships go this way, absent some kind of intervention, absent some kind of huge, huge work. Um, and I've worked with, it's kind of funny, I've actually coached so many counselors, 30-year marriage counselors, people who've done five years of counseling, the Gottman people, all this. I, 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 they Then they come to me. <laughs> I just laugh. I was I'm like, yeah, I dust my, my shoulders off. But if you're an alpha, hear me right now. You're not lost. You're not doomed. You're just operating out of fear. At your core, you're operating at a victim level. And I know that sounds really strange because everything about you looks so strong, looks so beautiful, looks so together. On the outside, you look so beautiful and strong and together. And on the inside, you're a hot mess. And a woman's designed to be the inverse. We're supposed to be soft and accessible on the outside and have a core of steel on the inside. So we actually literally have to reverse your polarity. And when a woman is in her right polarity, she can then express her needs and her feelings and her emotions as and when they come. And they do not terrify that man because a man's role is to protect and provide. That's what he's got. That's what makes a man happy. When a man has a woman he can protect and provide for, he is good. This is why they say um, happy wife, happy life. It's totally true. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but in an alpha beta marriage, and I'm I'm the world's best expert on alpha beta marriages, it can't happen because the alpha herself can't be happy because she's looking to be given love that she's not given herself. And this is where you get into spiritual principles. And Laban, you know this. She cannot receive anything that she has not first given to herself. You can't seek it on the external when it's not already present on the internal. So my little wristband, you probably can't see it, but it says, as within... So without, it's the only law. You could throw all the books out and just go with as within, so without. Anything you see outside of you is sourcing from something inside of you. If I could get that one message to your viewers, your effed up marriage, your business not working, the health condition, the sister-in-law that hates you, all of it, there's something inside of you. It's just a check engine light. You know, like when you're driving cars, the check engine light comes on. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of asshats that turn off check engine lights. It's like that doesn't solve the problem. They're like, oh, I figured out how to turn it off. Congratulations. The engine's still breaking down. The problem, the check engine light isn't the issue. Your sister-in-law, your marriage, your health, the business not working is a check engine light. It's how the universe wakes you up and goes, stop, stop. There's something. Look under the hood. Something inside of you is not healed. It's not going right. And all of this is the life of an alpha. And it's very difficult. She feels very alone. She feels constantly like she's there for everybody else, but nobody ever has her back. That's because she overfunctions. She overdoes for everybody because she's trying to buy the love and the motivation is fear. And because the motivation is fear, it fails. So that's the short condensed version of a lot of work. So people can understand if you're listening, you might be married to an alpha or you might be one who's listening. This, I know um, demographically that it's mainly men that at least watch this on YouTube. I'm not sure what the podcast numbers are, but I would assume it's very similar. I know that we people listening to this just nodding their head and just going, ah, shit. So and- I'm going to hook you up, Laban. Ooh. I'm going to talk about men. I don't, I don't usually, because people always have me on, like your woman will have me on and she'll want me to talk about alphas. So do you want to talk about the men? Oh, let's ask the men. Yes, as a resounding, it's a resounding <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like anything, anything you say, Queen, anything you say, because they're all the beta male little cuckold little bitches that need to be transformed into men. Uh-huh. 
Third thing is, is that the term alpha male in our society has been corrupted. Um, it's like some kind of hairy knuckle chest beating, you know, bar king, king hit coward punching asshole, you know, is, is the, is what you think of when you think of the alpha male. Um, I don't even actually even use the term. What we're really talking about is a man in balance or a woman in balance. And all an alpha woman is, is a woman out of balance. She's out of balance this way where she thinks she has to protect and provide for herself because of her family of origin abandoned her and her core wound is abandonment. So guys, you have an alpha, you're listening, you're leaning in now. You stopped surfing your phone and doing what you're doing. You're like, how do I work with this woman? I love her, but she is crazy and frustrating and I kind of want to strangle her a little bit. Okay, yeah, that's an alpha. I'm going to give you one magic word. The word is safety. Everything for a woman is safety. Everything for a woman is safety. It is our thing. For a man, it's respect. Men don't need to be loved. If they're respected, they're, they're, they're just fine. A woman, it's safety. Now, what's hard if you have an alpha is she looks like she doesn't have any needs, but then every once in a while she blows up on you and she seems really crazily needy. And when she does that, it freaks you the hell out. So you, you, you pull back really bizarre. She needs you to step forward. She needs to know that you're not going to leave. So the way it goes with alphas, we're all put together. We get the guy, we get us, you marry us, you give us the rock. We're all cruising along. And then we think, okay, everything's safe. And then we go, <laughs> and we fall apart over something. And you're like, oh my God, where did my woman go? You know, why does she suddenly need so much from me? She always needed it. So for men, if you were to understand, I do everything in a one to 10 scale. Let's take a woman's needs on a one to 10 scale. And let's assume that five or six would be an average level of need for a woman. And alpha's true needs are nine to 11. I would have been like at the 11. I didn't look like that, but I was incredibly needy. So anything that you do, and my busy brain is going to interpret it. I, I'm busy trying to interpret whether or not you're abandoning me, whether or not you're destabilizing me, whether or not you're reinforcing me. Now here's the catch 22. You can't give me enough to fix me because spiritually it cannot be done. Spiritually, it is not your job as a man to stabilize me. It is your job as a man to be stable and steady and provide my safety, but it's not your job to do that inner work for me. You'd literally have to encourage your woman to do that work for herself. She has wounds from her childhood and from growing up that she has not dealt with and she thinks she has. She thinks she's forgiven her father. She hasn't. Um, she thinks, and by the way, almost all alpha women fight with their mothers. I've met two in all my years. I've met two that have good relationships with their mothers. So we we tend to have um, a difficult time because remember, it's alpha and alpha. So mm, it's it's all these things. So the biggest thing you can do to give her some sense of security is literally ask her, baby, what would make you feel safe? Now, I'm going to tell you the truth, and this is hard. Uncoached out. There's only two alphas. There's the alphas I, I coached, the ones I fixed, and all the world of uncoached alphas. And they're, they're dangerous. They're control freaks. Um, the reason they're control freaks is because they're afraid. So they control everything because they think if they're not in control of it, they won't get their right portion. They won't get protected. You're going to have issues where you want to be more of the man. You want to take care of something like you're going on vacation and you want to get the tickets and you want to rent the car. It'll make her nervous. 
<laughs> she's going to want to look over your shoulder. One of the things about an alpha woman, men, is that you're going to have to give her a lot more information. It's it's more like talking to a man who's your superior, which is a little annoying. And like I said, that kills the sex vibe. It's like your your superior can come look over your shoulder and go, all right, Laban, how are you doing on booking the corporate jet for everybody and check your stuff? That's kind of how she comes across to you. If you can understand that that's not personal to you, it's about her shit. So it's not about you as a man. It's about her shit. The only way you can improve the situation is to start doing your own work. That's why my company's Art of Self-Rescue is to start doing your own work to make yourself that more confident man, the man who's willing to take more uh, risk and more responsibility. She is going to fight you on it, by the way, and you'll have to stand her down. It'll be very, it'll be, it'll be interesting. You say, honey, I'm going to arrange the, um, the cars for our trip coming up and I'll let you know when I have it all sorted out. And she's like, oh, well, I can just, oh no, I got it. All right. Well, do you want the, 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 no, I, I got it. Okay. Um, I have a coupon. I'll take care of it, baby. If you want to interrupt her, you grab her, you put your hands on her and you bring her into her emotions, which are all locked up. And you say, baby, let me take care of you. Your magic phrase, baby, let me do this. I want to take care of you. And you can rock her. I'm not making this up. There's going to be two men out here that's going to do this. And they're going to be like, holy shit, this is the magic. Where'd this come from? <laughs> put your hands on your woman and say, baby, let me take care of you. Baby, let me take care of you. Because remember, her issue, her damages come from losing trust. When a family was supposed to be protecting her, they didn't. And she had to become a little adult. Most of your alpha, you'll, you'll know your alpha's life story. She was a little adult. She didn't really even have a childhood. She was usually taking care of siblings and taking care of her parents. She wants to be taken care of. Oh, by the way, secret, secret squirrel stuff. Alphas all have a secret housewife fantasy. I kid you not. They have the secret housewife fantasy where they're just, they're not doing anything much and they're loved and they're at home and they're safe because that's the safety. That's the someone's protecting and providing for me and giving me safety. But honestly, mostly if you have a truly aggressive alpha, you can't turn her. You need to get her with my information. Even my free information will help her. Send her to artofselfrescue.com forward slash origins with an S. That's where she can learn about herself. She's going to read this thing in 20 minutes. She's going to come out. Her eyes are going to be this big. And I will proceed to tell her how she's fucking you over. And I'll proceed to tell her that she's being an asshat um, because I can tell her that and you can't. And you know, I'm telling you the truth right now. You you can't tell your woman when she's being unreasonable, or when she's being controlling. Oh, Layman. Oh my God. Okay. This is good. God just popped this in my head. I've wanted to share this forever. Here we go. There are trigger phrases that you should never use with your alpha woman. Get we your ready? pins ready, gentlemen. Get your pins ready, gentlemen. Okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Go guys, go in there. Just don't, don't worry about it. I I'll, I'll take care. I'm going to take care of it just makes me more anxious when I was an alpha. Um, don't worry about it is, is the worst one you can do because here's, here's big secret sauce. And this is good for all humans. Do not invalidate people's emotions and feelings. Stop it. It's horrible. And it's terrible for a woman's self sense of self and security. So when you're as a man and you look at me and I'm fucking worried and you say, don't worry about it. What you just said was you're wrong to worry, hooker. 
And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so here's your formula. If your alpha's sitting there and she's worrying about something and it might even be something stupid or something that you completely have under control, humor her. The first thing you could say is, oh, babe, I know why you're worried. Or I see that you're worried. Or I get that you're worried. Or, oh, you're worried. And then you have to use a few more words. I don't want you to be worried, sweetheart. So I want to take care of this for you. How would that be? Is that okay? How would that feel? Don't tell her not to worry. Don't tell her how she shouldn't feel. Don't tell her to be quiet. And I'll, t- I'll give you a secret. If a woman won't, this is big stuff. So you ever have a thing where you're in an argument with your woman and she just won't stop talking? Like you feel like you covered it in the first 17 minutes, but you're now at an hour 37 and you're like, why? Why are we still? And you start saying shit like, we're just going around in circles. Don't say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just Trigger words. If she's still talking, it's because she hasn't felt heard and understood yet. The, the, the secret sauce, if you want to, sh- I'm going to tell you how to shut her up. Baby, what is it that you think I'm not understanding that you need me to hear? What is it? And then just let her talk. She's going to throw it up. People don't know this, but men and women are wired differently. You know this, talking to John Gray, you know this from all the literature. Women need to, to get it out. We talk and we soothe ourselves by talking. Men don't do that. So they don't understand why we're talking. We're sending all this shit out and they just want us to be quiet and be happy. And we won't be happy until we're, we've said it. So if your woman won't stop an argument, like she's going around and around in circles, ask her what it is that she doesn't think you are hearing or understanding. Let her say it, then say it back to her. Okay. All right. So, yep. The way I do the bathroom is making you feel like I take you for granted. Yes. All right. Shit, babe, I'm sorry about that. The minute she feels heard, she'll de-escalate. And all the chemicals in her body that have her all wrought up will start to soothe. And again, hands. Put your hands on your woman. Bring her into you. You can rock her. You can kiss her on her forehead right here. This is magic. Men don't do this. I don't know why men don't do this. This is the sacred spot that a do- that a father who loves his little girl, he kisses her on the top of her head. Like we're wired to melt with forehead kisses, just a little, just, it's just, Ooh, give her the forehead kiss. If you really um, have screwed something up, you really need to calm her down. You put both hands on the sides of her face. You pull her close to you and say, honey, sweetheart, I love you. I don't have any clue how we're going to fix all this stuff. I know shit's fucked up, but I love you. We'll figure it out. Okay. Even I feel good after hearing that. That feel good. If she buys into that, if she gives you the okay, boom, all of her fear things have dropped down. Because remember, her when we're afraid, and because we're an alpha, we don't know how to express our emotions, and we don't think our emotions will be received. So we can't say, "Baby, I'm hurt," or "Baby, I'm afraid." We get angry, bitchy, and controlling. Angry, bitchy, and controlling is just your woman being hurt and afraid. If you look at an angry woman and say, "Baby," What's the matter? How did I hurt you? She won't be able to stay angry. She'll probably start crying and that's actually good. And then hands on woman, woman in, rocker. 
This is wired in us like babies. We're soothed when somebody holds us. And by the way, stop with these wussy hugs. I need a strong hug. You know, if she can still breathe comfortably, you're not holding her tight enough. <laughs> Babies get swaddled, people. They get they get swaddled. That's a really tight wrapping. Like if you ever saw a baby get swaddled, you're like, are you trying to kill him? Or no, it's very snug in the womb. It's very snug. So we're wired to feel really safe when we're that's why weighted blankets work. By the way, great gift idea for children and for any woman any age. Get her a weighted blanket. Cause it's just, it's heavy warmth. This is why women like to be held when they're sleeping. So Laban, was that, was that helpful for your men? I mean, they're out there and they're, they're in the trenches. They're trying to figure out. Oh. How to save them. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, like, what's the noise that a marriage being saved makes? <laughs> Cause that's the noise <laughs> I'm hearing out in the, in the universe. Now that is so great. Tony. I, it, like, I know Anna's going to watch this in its raw form in preparation for interviewing you on her podcast. And I'll be fascinated to see the list of notes that she takes down. Cause I'm so, the thing about Anna, I'm so unbelievably blessed. And I, and I do count my blessings every day. And I'm not just saying this to simp out on Anna because she is this. I don't have to put up with really any of that. And, and it's because I was a little cuckold little bitch and, and I, that it wasn't working. And I had to do the work on me. And I, I don't want to give anything away with Anna. Maybe I should, a year a year and a bit into our relationship, Anna and I, I don't know if you know much about our story, but Anna and I collectively have had 16 consecutive miscarriages, right? Two ectopics, one of which- okay, nearly- hold up, stop. You got to pause that for a second because that, that lands. I've, I've had a single miscarriage, so I can, that's shit. It's heavy, okay. y'all. But let me finish. Yeah, let heavy. me finish. Okay. And and uh, and I don't share this for sympathy, right? And neither no, no, does no. Anna. But uh, literally, the first time we consummated the marriage, and she made me wait. She got pregnant, and then that had that was an ectopic, and she hemorrhaged and nearly died, nearly bled to death. Right? This is in early 2019, like January. And then they kept happening. They kept happening, and during the lockdown, like June. 2020 she revealed to me she broke down that she'd been abused by her stepfather from 15 until 21 resulting in two pregnancies from him and two forced illegal abortions one of which damaged the uterine wall and damaged was, the uterine wall right damn it yeah. and and uh and I'm, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back but when she told me the first thing i did is i grabbed her with an embrace that probably hasn't been rivaled to this day and it was that safety protection thing that you were talking about that I really I was just thinking about it when you were sharing it earlier I was like holy god and I had to learn how to do some of it was instinctual but I had to learn I had to do quite a lot of work and and it was also the result of honesty from the get-go because you've read the book you've read you've heard about most of the shenanigans I got up to and I sat down and we first met I, I've lived a life. I've lived a life. You can ask me anything you want as long as you're happy to hear the answer. And she yeah. called me out on that. She called me out on that, and, and I, but I was truthful, and there was a couple of things, and one thing in particular that nearly, like, at the time, it seemed like it was the end of the world. And then because of that, she felt safe enough to share with me what she'd only shared with one right. other person when she was 15 and, right. and then started this healing journey for Anna 
And and you should just, I mean, you've met the woman. She doesn't look like she's gone through that, but she's forgiven the perpetrator. She's forgiven her biological right. father who abandoned right. her at four. There you go, four or five, and there forgave her mother. Yep. that's a, So that's the reason you don't have a full-on crazy alpha running around because she's done that work. That's a lot of work. I'll give you guys um, a secret. I'm giving you all sorts of secret sauce here. Uh, Loving these secret sauces. So tasty. The key, the, oh, that's good. That's <laughs> the, the key to forgiveness is not what people think. So I talk, like my alphas come in, they're like, oh, I, I forgave my dad. I forgave my mom. I'm like, yeah. No, you <laughs> no, you didn't. The reason is, is you cannot forgive somebody else before you forgive yourself. This, by the way, for men out there who've had affairs that are still in marriages that are trying to, to work past an affair, this is the thing. This is the shit. You don't need her to forgive you as much as you need her to forgive herself. She has to forgive herself before she can forgive anybody else. It is as within, so without. If she doesn't have forgiveness inside of here, she cannot give forgiveness externally. You cannot do it. It cannot be done. You're violating universal laws. This is just like trying to step out of a four-story window and pretend gravity doesn't exist. It does not work. So your woman has forgiven herself. And it's a huge thing for a woman to feel like she cannot create or sustain life. She would have to forgive herself for that. She'd have to forgive herself for wanting to keep trying. She'd have to forgive herself for how how it makes her, all these things. And then she'd have to forgive herself for the fact that it was taken from her. That, that likely her biology was just fine and she'd have been just fine except for this thing that happened, but I can't wait to talk to her. But but it's just like, this was a this was the curriculum of her life. This was the curriculum of her life that led her to be just the beautiful person that she is with you and led you to that moment. And God, I love, love, love you that you just, you smothered her in that, that hug. Promise you, alphas tend to be, if you know the book, The Five Love Languages, they tend to be pretty heavily touching words. Touching words. If you don't know what your woman's love language are, you can ignore it. Just use touching words. Alphas are highly verbal. So and you think you don't need to tell her you love her. You need to tell her you love her about four to six times more than you think is necessary. It's just because it's part of our security. We need to be reassured. And you're like, but she she runs a business and she makes hundreds of thousands of dollars and she does all this stuff and she's so this and she does it. No, she's a little girl. She's four years old and she got left. She's four years old and she got left. And that inside of her needs constant reassurance. She needs to know that her masculine is there to protect and provide. And if things get scary, she can collapse into your arms and be rocked and be soothed. And if something comes for her, you will kill it. That is the magic. And by the way, man, if you want more sex, that's how that works. Should I give you, should I I share this, how to get more sex thing? Should I tell your guys that? Nah, leave that for something. Nah, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Women are not, this is the phrase you need to remember. Women are not microwaves. This is where porn bites you in the ass, men. Sexually, in porn movies, a woman is a microwave. Repair guy knocks on the door, he opens the door, and it's like, beep, beep. Boom, she's open, she's ready for business, she's at full temperature. It doesn't work that way. 
Um, I've actually interviewed some sex experts, by the way, and I'll, I'll, I'll solve some of this for you too. Um, don't complain if it takes a long time for your woman to climax from oral sex. The average is like 27 minutes. So shut up and get a pillow. Okay. <laughs> solve that. Figure that out. Just get your shit comfortable. All right. Backing up. A woman is not a microwave. A man is a microwave. A woman is an oven. Now, this is hard because men maybe don't bake so much. But in the old days, if you remember, your mother was going to bake something. You know what she did? She went into the kitchen, preheated the oven. She turned the oven on way the fuck before she was trying to put anything in it, guys. Okay? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So she's an oven. Your job is to keep your woman at 200 degrees all the damn time. Now, shit tends to bake in America at 350 or something like that. And over here, it's like... uh, 180, 180. 200 Celsius. Yeah. So you need to keep her warm all the time because here's the trick. In a hurry, you want to have some sex sooner. If the oven is always warm, it's less effort to get it from 200 to 350 than it is from zero to 350. Zero to 350 requires some forcing and some pushing. Usually you're not going to get there. A woman actually has lubrication well before she's actually emotionally, really physically ready to have sex. So our bodies will lubricate and we think, oh, okay, well, she's good. We can ready to go. No, actually, she's not ready yet. If you are giving her reassurance and protecting and providing and safety constantly, your woman is always at 200 degrees, which means she's just always preheated, which means you could come in the kitchen, swat her on the ass, nuzzle her on the neck, tell her that dinner was fucking fantastic. And sex thing, she knows she's looking over her shoulder thinking, hmm. Because she's now at 250. And you're like, wait a second, just a little bit more. And I've got her up to temperature. So when a man wants to have more sex, it is not sexual things you need to do. It's not the porn thing. I used to tell men, there's not some magic spot on my body. G-spots exist, but it's not, it's not, you're not trying to get to the magic spot on my earlobe uh, to turn me on, especially alphas were highly cerebral. You, you want to turn me on with my ears. It's the things you're saying, and it's the way you're making me feel. Send me texts during your workday just checking on me. Hey, babe, how are you? You need anything? I feel safe. You know, the swat on the ass is a big one. I just love that one. Just just little swat, because it, it just reminds you that you're you're a lover. Women fall into the, the role of um, mother. They lose their 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 wife status and they 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 morph completely into mother, which is fucked up. And then you stop getting sex, and then you are tiered below the children, which is something I completely don't believe in. It it's it's me and God, me and my mate, and then the family, then the children. If you put children in the wrong part of the hierarchy. They become spoiled, entitled, soft, snowflake, selfish, narcissistic little bastards (laughs) that are good for society. Children need to be able to watch their needs actually not get met because the family has a higher priority. They need to watch, oh, I want something, but I can't have it because mom and dad are having mom and dad time. Because that's what's going to help them create a good marriage when they're older. Otherwise, they don't see it. They just think, I have a need. (laughs) you literally can increase your sex life and i don't even care you could program the shit in your phone open your phone to say i love you give her an ass swat you know 
come home with some flowers every once in a while for no effing reason. And every once in a while, I say, baby, do you need anything? Honey, what do you need? And if you want the big one, sweetheart, what would make you feel safe? What would make me a better husband? Her brain will melt off her. And she might think you're cheating. She might be like, oh my God, why are you asking me? <laughs> like, why are you? Where'd you get? I heard it from some crazy black woman living in Australia. She said, this is how I get more sex. <laughs> it is how you get more sex. This is it. This is the thing. Make a woman emotionally safe and think biologically. The way Laban had that experience, you had sex, she got pregnant. The way it works from our, our, our wiring down through history, birth control didn't exist. So women understood, our bodies understood that if we opened our legs and we had sex, we were pregnant. That's still wired in us. So for us to open our legs, like a flower, we have to feel safe. A flower only blooms and opens up when it has all the right moisture and all the right ingredients and all the right nice environment. So the safer she feels, the more sexual, sexually available she is. When a woman doesn't feel safe, she's closed. So if you're not having sex, it's simple. Your woman doesn't feel safe. If you can figure out what would make her feel safe, she will feel more sexual. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's so great. And I, one of the things I would say, I'm so blessed, and I'll keep saying this, we, uh, Anna gave up her day job last, uh, officially this year, start of this year, and she was a workaholic, really. Um, but because the lockdown, we were together the whole time. We've basically been together the entire time. We're, we're pretty inseparable. We're each other's best friends. It's it's a really great setup. But I love the journey that Anna's on because she's now stepped into this this role of service and being a coach and having her podcast and being a speaker. My question around that is how significant is having not the same values, I realize that's very important, but the same leveling up rate or a similar leveling up rate? Yeah. So... You don't actually need to worry about this because this is the stuff where the universe doesn't actually make mistakes. God doesn't screw this up. So what tends to happen, first things first, is women usually tend to be moving faster than men on, on self-growth development stuff. It's just the way that is. And, and the problem is, as an alpha, they want to turn around and they want to yank their man. Yank, 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 pull, do this, read this book, watch this video, go to this class, take this course, come here with these counselors, all this other stuff. You do not need to do that. What she needs to do is she needs to grow herself and she needs to trust that as she grows herself and as she stops pulling on a man, that's really the art of self-rescue. I, I, I guarantee that I save my alpha. I don't guarantee I save the marriage. It is that in saving the alpha, it invariably saves the marriage. So she can move at whatever speed she's moving at and you can move at whatever speed you're moving at. And if the universe puts you together, you're going to find some type of balance and harmony. The other thing too is there's subvariance in there, which is to say there'll be some things that she's moving fast on, there's something she's moving slow on, and there's some things that she'll move fast on, and some things you'll move slow on. But overall, you should be able to maintain a touching tether so that nobody ever gets too, too far away. If somebody is getting too far away, what's going on is the other person has gone into resistance on a lesson, they've gone into hard resistance, and that opens up a gap in the relationship. And there's nothing you can do about that other than you can say, well, I see this gap opening up and I really hope you can do your stuff, 
But as, as like I said, I'm, I'm your woman, I'm not your coach. So it's not my job to make you or lead you do that. Does that, does that help you? I really don't believe that, that the universe connects people because I really believe quantum field of possibilities, this is, we're all connected. I really believe that it puts us together with people we can really be together with if we do our stuff. Yeah, I, I, I it's brilliant. It really is brilliant. I see with people that I coach, people that I know, people that are, that are also coaches, there seems to be, there's some relationships there that shouldn't continue. And it, and, it, yes. and my guess is that it's these people are out of alignment with what they're doing in their lives. And, and that's, and if they were, then it would have sorted itself out and they would have found their right person. They've got to go through that experience. Like, like I did, like you did. I don't know. What do you reckon? So, and this brings up one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite analogies. Cause I tell, you know, in, in art of self-rescue, the alpha, the woman, you're drowning. The problem is he's drowning too. So for you men listening, you're both drowning. Now pay close attention here. Never in the history of ever has one drowning person stopped drowning and saved another drowning person. This has not happened. It's not going to happen. So the problem is when people talk about, and this is why I have such an issue with marriage counseling. Uh, note to self, shit doesn't work, especially not for the alpha beta marriages. It's just, it just doesn't work because they're dealing with symptoms, not causes. The two people that are drowning, if you send a lifeguard out, you know what lifeguards don't do? They don't try to save two drowning people. A lifeguard can see two drowning people and they are trained to make an assessment. They're like, looks like he can hang on another minute. She's going under. They'll grab her. And by the way, very often the drowning person actually starts to drown the rescuer. So what I tell people is that marriage counseling is a lot like sending one lifeguard to the two drowning people. It doesn't work. Everybody needs to do their own thing. Everybody needs to stop drowning independently. The very best thing you can do, whether you're the alpha or the beta or whoever listening to this, is to stop drowning yourself. Because here's the problem. As an alpha, when I'm drowning, what I'm doing is I'm looking at my man and I'm pulling at him and I'm splashing at him. And I'm and I'm so upset with him because I feel like he has put weight on me. And so here I am and I'm sitting here and I'm drowning and he has given me all this weight and I'm like, oh, you're killing me. I take that weight off and then I take care of myself. What this will do is it'll take the pressure off of the man because he then doesn't have to worry that his woman is drowning because men are wired to protect and provide, even if they're not doing a good job of it. So if a man is drowning and his woman is drowning, he is distracted. Men, by the way, aren't wired to be distracted. They're monocular. They were wired, by the way, even their vision. You know how men just, when they... um they go looking for something, they can't find things is because they don't have good peripheral vision. Women have better peripheral vision because we're designed, it's true, because we were designed to deal with everything in the environment. Men were designed to hunt. You don't want a hunter being distracted. He has to look at the, the bison or the elephant or the bear. He can't be over here doing all this shit. He's looking at the bear. So a man needs to have a singular focus. If his woman is drowning and he's drowning, he's fucked because now his focus is split thing you can do is for your man is to fix your own stuff. And for a man, you have to save yourself because then if you get yourself strong enough, if your woman is still drowning, 
then you can you can put your arm up and, and give her something to lean on. And you can make sure that you took the weight off of her that you put on her by avoiding any responsibility. That's the biggest thing a man can do to help a woman is just take more responsibility. And it'll be a bit of a fight because she technically wants you to have responsibility, but she's not used to it. So she's not going to be so good at sharing. Does that make does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) No, it's really great. Tonya. It's. It's 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 intense work, right? Like it's it's hard enough being a man out there in the world, right? And uh, I you know I've been listening to some of this um, conversation piece around. There was a there was a woman who um, did a, a social experiment that presented as a man for a couple of years, and she ended up getting assisted suicide because of how depressed. I don't know if you heard about this. I don't know exactly. I'm sort of paraphrasing a little bit, but she she took her own life because of how poorly she was treated by women. Yeah, she was. She became. I'm gonna take a moment. You would take a what? Sorry, I want to take a moment here and speak a little life into your men. You are our protectors. You are providers. If somebody hasn't told you that that's your role, that's your role. You are the opener of doors, the carrier of heavy packages, the killer of of spiders. You are the one that keeps me warm in bed. You're the one that investigates the noise. You're the one that often gets up earliest and leaves the house first and comes home last. You're the one who carries the weight of the family and the generations on your shoulders. And I, as a woman, am grateful for that. If your woman doesn't know this and doesn't respect you, You cannot demand her respect before you respect yourself. Please, please be reminded that you're valuable. You're valuable as a man. And a man acts and a man takes control and he is in charge and he handles his shit and he protects what is his. A man has the capacity to be dangerous. I love Jordan Peterson. He's talking about that. You have to have the capacity to be dangerous. That doesn't mean you use it. The, the, the safest man is the man that has his weapons and he doesn't he doesn't have them out. He's got them available, but he doesn't use them. He doesn't use them on me, but I'm safer. That I can bloom. I can be pretty. I can be the flower. I can be fragrant. I can attract in whatever it is I need. And I can ask for is a man. Your hugest wish is to have a woman who asks you for almost everything, because then you just get to give it to her and see her face and watch her open to you. How delightful is it to have a woman that sees you as her provider and her hero, her superhero? That is your role. If you are raising boys, you need to make sure that is their role. So I just had to have that little man rant because men are <laughs> undervalued and it's some bullshit. And it's so wonderful to hear it from a woman as well. Like, I don't know. I think social media has perpetrated a lot more negativity than what's <laughs> actually out there as, as it tends to happen. Um, let me share something funny with you. There was a point in my lifetime. <laughs> now, get your sick bucket ready where I wanted to marry a wealthy woman to solve all of my financial problems. That is actually some good beta thinking. That's some good like I'm just going to find this woman and she's going to take care of it. Take care of daddy. Oh, <laughs> God. I, I cringe. I cringe. 
And do you know what it was? Like, I mean, you, you read the book, right? I, I just grew up with no strong masculine role models in my life. I had no idea. And, no, and, and so, and this is the significance of, of if you're hearing this as a man, like pay heed to what Tony's saying, like pay heed. This is brilliant stuff. Do you know what? I reckon you're better than John Gray. And I'll say that to his face. Thank you. That's Dr. John Gray from Men Are From Mars, Women From Venus. What's going to be the title of your next book, by the way? Good. Oh, it's How Leaving Your Marriage Can Save It. Oh, that's such a great name. Can we expect this in bookshelves anytime soon? I know you're still writing it. I am actually still writing it. Yeah, it should be around at the beginning of the year, I'm thinking. Beginning, it's just coming beginning out of 2023. Year, I'm good, yeah, I'm having such a good time with it. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that secret sauce of it. Alphas find themselves in these alpha beta marriages. And when they consult other alphas, they're like, just leave him. Just leave him. And, you know, my husband, my husband has an acronym for this. He he likes to help me. He, he wants to help me coach. So I'll, I'll tell him a story. And he's going, <laughs> F-H-O, F-H-O, which is fuck him off. And I'm like, well, honey, people don't come to me just to get the advice of fucking him off. Like they they could have come to that conclusion all by themselves. They're I like your husband already. F-H-O, F-H-O. And I'm like, yeah. What you have to do is you have to leave the original marriage. I call it marriage 1.0 because you came together with all of these bad patterns. He's in his unbalanced masculine. She's in her unbalanced feminine. So she's too masculine. And he's too feminine. And you have to leave that marriage. You can't actually patch it because all the agreements like you presented as a woman who doesn't have any needs. That's bullshit. So when you start having needs, you're actually unilaterally changing the deal that you got married under. The marriage actually won't survive. And it's the idea that, no, it's not going to survive. You have to build a new one. If you want to stay with this person, you literally have to build it. You have to build a new you. You have to leave your old patterns, your old life, your old self, and you have to build this new you. It's like very similar to what you did. You decided, you're like, hey, I'm going to build this. You got to build this new you because the old one won't work. The old one is full of all those old patterns and hurts, and it cannot be patched. Patched is why we have roommate marriages. So even if people don't get divorced, divorce rates over 50%. If they don't get divorced, they just go to everybody puts their money in the bank and everybody shuttles children back and forth and that's it. And it's like, gosh, that's not enough. Like there should be, there should be more than that. And you can, marriage, you really actually can turn that around, by the way. But well, that's, that's, that's good it. news. That's good news. Because the thing that, uh, and I love Jordan Peterson, by the way, uh, his book helped me during a very dark time as well um the 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 loveless children of loveless marriages does a lot of damage but it's the it's the divorce that is the real kicker and uh and that's i think part of the main breakdown of societies because of the huge amount of divorce and people growing up directionless children directionless with with not only no role models but horrendous role models and uh we need to be able to turn the tide on that don't we so I saw this in your book. And so I would I would come at this differently in that this is what, by the way, it's the reason I got ordained, actually. Well, because you read the book. <laughs> uh, yeah, duh. No, the reason I got ordained was because in my law practice, I had women coming to me from very religious backgrounds. And they would say that they talked to their minister about how horrible their marriage was. And the minister's advice was always, well, just pray and just stay there. They would That's even say that in, in American F-A-J. domestic violence. 
Right. They would say this in marriages with domestic violence and it made my head come off. Like I was like, so literally this is how God tricked me. Literally. God's like, you know what? If you became a minister, you could just tell them differently. And I was like, like Sasha Baron Cohen time. I'm like, ah, yeah, I'll become a minister. And then I'll just tell them. So I did. I became a minister and then they would tell me this dumb shit. And I'd say, no, that's not what God meant. They have it wrong. Um, what I taught people was it is better to have two healthy, stable households than one dysfunctional household. The, what you're, what you're, those statistics are accurate because the way people go about divorcing, see, the funny thing is, is you can't have a, a healthy divorce with unhealthy people. So if you have unhealthy people, you're going to have an unhealthy divorce. And then you, you've not met my criteria because you didn't create two stable households. You just took one dysfunctional household, lowered the resources, the net resources, and now you have two unstable dysfunctional households where usually the father's been screwed on the amount of time that he can access the children. So when you do it that way, Yes, divorce is a great cause of of the the horribleness going on because I was certified as a um, guardian ad litem, which means the court recognized me to investigate custody on behalf of children. So I would literally go into people's homes, figure this out, and then write the report to the court and tell them this is where the children should go. This is the best thing for the kids. So I, I have a huge heart on this. Um, what is the doctor's name? I have to think of her name. It's called. Uh, da, 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 da. C-E-N, um, Childhood Emotional Neglect. Y- you should look this up. This, uh, there's a doctor who's doing good stuff on this online. And basically it's, and I identified it as abuse when I was working and I, she's just given it a lovely name. It's that biggest form of neglect and abuse that happens anywhere and nobody knows what it is. It's that your, your parents emotionally neglect the children and nobody thinks that's an abuse. So the children don't learn. Remember, the alphas learn from their mother to suppress their feelings. That's emotional neglect. And then she coddles the boy and makes him too soft, which is the opposite of what he needs to be learning as a man. At at age 11, you really need to stop focusing on the boy's feelings and start focusing on on all of his masculine stuff. But if he's living in the home with his mom, that's not happening. Childhood emotional neglect is what messes everybody up because everybody ends up having no access to their feelings and no access to somebody responding to feelings. So then as an adult, they don't know how to do this stuff. They get into relationships. They don't know how to emote. They don't know how to show empathy. They don't know how to listen. They don't know how to be angry and still have the relationship. Like I can be mad at you. That doesn't mean we have to break up. But they're like, I'm gonna take my ball and go home. (laughs) You know, so this all leads, and my opinion actually, Laban, is that divorce is actually driven by alpha women. Because what happens is, is you have an alpha woman. She is a daughter and a son. The daughter becomes an alpha. So we got more alphas. They're breeding like rats here. And we got the boy who becomes soft. This is a boy who does not protect and provide and take care of his family. This little girl grows up and she's looking for a partner. The partners that are available are all soft males. She's going to marry him, have the alpha beta experience. In five to seven years, the wheels come off the bus. And this it exponentially increases every time they marry because they're going to have another couple kids and they're going to have another couple kids and it keeps going on. And it's all sourced back to the fact that the alpha woman has become the center of the family and she, she's attempting to be the masculine and she's not. And these little boys are becoming soft and soft boys destroy societies. You just, you can't because they're the primary protector. If a primary protector of a society is expecting a woman to do shit for him, 
we're in trouble. That's pretty much everything on Twitter. <laughs> like everybody is just so offended about everything. It's like they wake up, they're like, what can I be offended about today? I hope somebody does something wrong today. <laughs> I'm like, you're so soft. You're just you know. if your kid's fat, your kid knows they're fat, you know they're fat. If you send them to school. And you haven't done enough work on them so that their mental construct is strong enough to withstand being called fat without trying to commit suicide. That's on you. That's not the child. That's the parent. It's like, come on, people. Stop making soft kids. So that's my my explanation of why the divorce rate continues to, to grow and why we have these young generations now that aren't even interested in marriage. Which is gamophobia, per se. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one you what? No. I learned that word from a friend of mine. His name's Dave Gamage. He's an Englishman. And he was uh I don't would have been a long time, long time ago now. He was engaged to be married. And he left her technically at the aisle and fled from England to Australia. <laughs> And uh, came to learn that it was gamophobia, which is a fear of marriage for those who are curious, right? And then um, he's now, he's since married and, and he's got a couple of great kids. He's a good dude. But um, it was a very funny story when I heard that. Um, these, these, these redemption stories. Do, do, do we have time to hear how you ended up in Australia? Yeah. So um, I was I was married. I, I married a guy. It's kind of funny. I never really listened to people. And I had a best friend and people were like, you should marry your best friend. You should, oh, you should marry your best friend. He's wonderful for you. He's just such a good bounce. He is beta as fuck. Um, <laughs> he's just, you should marry your best friend. So it was, it was good enough for us to have our friendship and, you know, this is cruising along. And so finally I decided, gosh, I'm getting older. Maybe there's something in this. I actually, me and Alpha was like, why not group thing? There we go. And so I went to him and, and he wanted to date me this whole time. And I kept saying, no, no. And actually I had it right. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm too confident. And your self-esteem is too low. And besides that, dude, you're fat. Like you're, he was like Pillsbury. He was soft. I I'm like, I'm not sexually attracted. So to his credit, he got a personal trainer and went to the gym. And this is a true story. I was, um, I, I torn my Achilles tendon. So he had driven me to the gym and I had the boot on. So I was in like one section of the gym doing stuff and he was in another section of the gym. And at some point I looked up and I saw some guy lifting something and I went, Ooh, and I went, that was him. Like, like I just, it's like, I like just suddenly I noticed. It's like, suddenly I'm like, Oh wow, you're six two. You know, you look a little bit like Riker on, you know, Star Trek. I'm like, Hey, check this out. Um, so I'm like, okay, new day's here. We solved that the health thing. And I remember we, we got married. I had, I had some rules. I said, dude, you can't get fat again. I'm just telling you, like, it's an issue for me. You got to maintain, you don't have to be like, you know, fitness model, but you gotta, you gotta stay, you gotta keep this BMI down. Mm. Um, after we married, he gained 50 pounds, <laughs> like right on the couch, like, boom, like he's like, Oh, couch, there you are. <laughs> you can't make these things up. I ended up getting divorced. A funny story on that. I, I got divorced. I went to a, um, a, 
I'll tell the story about this because it'll help your men. This is your your men's episode. This is your men's super episode. Everything you kind of wanted to know about marriage and women and alphas. I recognize that it was his self-esteem and it was his head. That a lot of betas have a self-fulfilling prophecy. And this is really important, man. If you if you even recognize part of this, you have to act on this. You don't believe you deserve your alpha. There's a part of you that thinks that she is too good, that you don't deserve her, and that you will lose her. That part of you is subconscious. Subconscious runs you 95%. Conscious runs you 5%. It will sabotage your shit. It will mess you up. It is the reason that consciously my my then first husband could agree to stuff when talking to me. And then the minute I was out of sight, he would revert back to some doing the opposite thing, like the exact opposite. So I literally found a hypnotherapist. I, I was so excited at myself. I found a hypnotherapist. I said, you should go to this guy and he can help you reprogram this belief. Because I, I recognize it toward the end of our marriage that he was sabotaging us. This motherfucker goes to a hypnotherapist, discovers the hypnotherapist is also a traditional counselor, and then engages in traditional counseling, which does not work. I was like, oh, my actual God. <laughs> so I start going. We're now in marriage counseling, which does not work. And one day the marriage counselor looks at me and goes, you know, you need to get a divorce. And I went, I went, what are you? I'm sorry. What did you just say to me? You need to actually get a divorce because this isn't going to work for you. You guys are good friends, but you're not, you're not good lovers. You're not good married people. And I was like, oh my God, that's like the most truthful, honest thing ever. So I got the divorce, worked on myself, thought I figured it all out. I was like, I got this under control. I'm an alpha. I solved it. I recognized this thing going on. I go online. I said, God, I will go wherever my man is. I made my business online. I had a bricks and mortar law firm. So I had to shut that part of it down and go virtual. I said, wherever my man is, I'll go. I'm a weird duck. If you find me a male duck, I'll go. Fucking Australia, 10,000 miles away. Like you can't, you can't even make this stuff up. Like it wasn't even fair. I'm like, really? Seriously? That's how strange I am. I have to go all the way to Australia. So yeah, I met my guy online and I moved here and, and then um, shockingly, I went through all the same dramas because I hadn't finished all the stuff inside of me. And when I got here, he triggered and evoked every single broken thing that was inside of me. And that's what you're doing to your alphas, by the way, man. And she sees it as you, but it's, it's coming from her and she'll never not see that unless she's doing the real work, unless she's ready to do the work. And so I just got here, I knuckled down and I did the work on myself again. And that's how I came to, you know, how you can leave your marriage to save it. Cause I, I had to start over again. I had to really restructure the entire marriage because I had too much of all of the bad alpha beta things in it. So yeah, that's the long story of how I ended up 10,000 miles away from my homeland. And now I live in South Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And how long have you been? Good mate. Huh? Say again? What'd you say? 90 minutes from your good mate, Dr. Sam. Mildura is not that far from me. How can you be near Mildura if you're in South Australia? You must be in the middle of nowhere, eh? No, I'm I'm 90 minutes from the I'm I'm close to the border of Victoria. So yeah, I am. I'm in the Riverland. So Adelaide is like on the far side, and then I'm in a little town. The big town would be like Renmark. It's called the Riverland. It's like a um, uh, grapes and wine and produce region. And then 90 minutes up the road to Mildura. So are you, are you, very- if you didn't meet your husband online, you would have met him at uh, Farmer Wants a Wife or something. 
That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, and he's not a farmer. He's he's a he's a he owns a construction business, an earth moving business. But but yeah, he's this is out in the middle of. And he told me this was rural, and I've never been like out in the sticks like this. Like I live in America, so how far out could I really be anywhere? <laughs> I was used to being in the suburbs. You're in Atlanta. <laughs> I, was, I was in the suburb of Atlanta. I put it this way: I'm very lucky that our town has the one McDonald's for two and a half hours around. Like we got the Maccas here. We have the, it's called Maccas, everybody. Yeah. Uh, I got the McDonald's. Um, I drive and, and don't judge me. Six hours round trip to go to Kmart. <laughs> don't, don't judge me. There's Americans no Uber Eats where you are. <laughs> we were listening to every word this woman said. And then she said, she'll drive six hours to go to a Kmart. And that's it. <laughs> well, you can redeem that. Credi- you can redeem that credibility. How long have you been married for now? Uh, was it? Four years. I came. I've been here four years, so probably married three and a half, something like that. Three and a half. Congratulations. It sounds like sounds like the uh, the dynamic has completely shifted, and and he's stepped into his masculine, and you and you'll step into your feminine, and then you know. Yes. Uh, and, and and there was nothing I did to. There was nothing because I, I promise you, Alpha's listening to this, and some of you men may want to have your woman watch this. If you're watching it, have your woman watch it, because then she'll want to talk to me about how horrible you are, um, and that'll be okay. <laughs> It'll be fine. Promise you it'll be fine. But it's it's such a, an amazing thing to watch a man completely shift by you not doing anything. So I, he, he changed in all these miraculous ways that never happened when I was begging. I tell people communicating, crying, counseling, those things don't work. What worked was I did me and I made the space and I changed me. And then by universal law, basically when I stop being a victim, he can't be an abuser anymore. It's just a law. Like it's just not allowed. So this is actually what's the matter with the planet too. Everyone's running around saying, damn you abusers, stop, stop, stop. It's like, wait a second. Actually, the easiest way to get this done would be actually to help everybody stop being a victim. If you stop being a victim, then you you can't interact with abusers. It's just, it just doesn't happen. That's so, so great. And I can see you and Anna having a powerful, powerful conversation together about this stuff. Uh, Tonya, where, where do people find you? I know you mentioned a few times people are desperate to get yeah. in touch, see some of your content, yeah. social media, whereabouts? So I left my mainstream coaching. So I'm creating courses for my mainstream girls so they'll be able to afford me. Um, you want to get in my world because I still give free coaching. Every week I give free coaching training. It's artofselfrescue.com forward slash origins with an S. This is, you go there and what, what an alpha is going to get is she's going to get my PDF, which is the life cycles of an alpha. It's going to show you what you go through. You go through your fight phase, you go through your control phase. And if you're lucky and you get my help, you can get into your surrender phase. Um, but most of us spend our life living and dying in the control phase. That's you men listening. That's where your woman is right now. She's in the control phase. Um, for, for people who have a lot of resources, um, I work with four to six clients a year. And so that's either five figures or six figures. And like I said, my coaching is guaranteed. I do not fail. And if you're an alpha, I got you. Like I've, I've already got you. Like you're, you're good. Um, so if that's something that, that you want, you can find me. I'm, I'm on Instagram and all the socials at art of self rescue, but, um, 
I just want everybody to have a better life. I want our men to be men. I want our women, women, you can be your badass boss bitch at work. Drop that shit at the door when you come home. That is not how you're going to have a man who takes care of you and loves you and responds to your emotional needs. Before I ask you for your concluding thoughts, I'm going to say three names of women and want you to tell me whether you think they are alpha or not. Okay, if I know them. Okay, go ahead. You'll know them. Kate Middleton. Okay. Yeah. Kate Middleton uh, married to Prince uh, William. Yes. Um, Megan. Oh, Megan. Yeah, we'll talk about (laughs) Yes. Fuck yes on Megan. Yeah, so that makes Prince Harry a little cuck. <laughs> now, you know, the funny thing about Kate, there's this is where you get, and this is a discussion for another day, but there are different kinds of beta men with their alpha woman. Kate's an alpha, but she has got a real true prince. She has got a cooperative beta. There's a cooperative beta and there is a combative beta. If you get a combative beta, you get a much harder go. If you get a cooperative, that guy is easygoing. He's like, you know what? She needs her way more of the time. I'll let her have it. And she leaves him his his areas of dominion. Will and and Kate are they're they're they've got a nice little balance going. If they they have their 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 power lines worked out. Megan. I've wanted to coach her, but I realized that, see, that's the thing I had to learn as a baby coach. You can't save everybody. And I can't coach an alpha until she's willing to be led. Um, And it's not my opinion that she is willing to be led. And I, I hate that because I could really help them. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Very. Um, one more one that just came to mind, Jada and Will Smith. Should they divorce or should they stay together? There are a couple that I want to help. There are a couple that I would I would love to help and, and, and to coach. They've done a lot of work on themselves. The reason that they're, they almost busted apart many times. Um, they've done enough work on themselves that they can they can stay in a decent balance with each other. So, and it wasn't that way. They, they, they went through that push pull of the alpha beta and people were cheating and doing all this other stuff and everything. And their big breakthrough, I think she, if, if you listen, they'll talk about it. It was when they realized that the other person's not responsible for my happiness. Basically, you're not supposed to save me if I'm drowning. I have to save myself. I have to not be drowning in the relationship and you have to not be drowning. And everybody has to save themselves from drowning. And then we can see where we are. I think their relationship could be even better, but I think they've done a massive amount of work. Yeah, I, <laughs> you must be an optimist. I uh, I need to do some more digging. Not that I spend really any time worrying about these people, by the way, but it's always fascinating because I, like you, I, I believe that I could help a lot of these people. But the, the key point is you got to want to help, baby. you got to want it. And unrequited help is one of the, the worst things on planet Earth, I think. <laughs> What did you find? Tell me, tell me. What did you see? With regards to these about, these about, couples? Uh, no, with, with Jada and uh, Will, you were saying. You said I was oh, an optimist. So, Oh, no, I, I just, I'm less hopeful that they would, I think with what happened when he slapped Chris Rock, 
uh, at the Emmys or the Oscars, whatever it was. Um, that was a real pivotal moment in him being totally emasculated. And I, and I don't know whether you'd want to count. Like he, he could have his lion's share of pretty much any woman on the planet. But the fact that he's tolerated that means there's either something really special about her or he doesn't have the self-belief or confidence to think that he could go and find someone better for him. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about it a lot, if I'm honest, but um, that's just my my initial thoughts. What do you... Wait, the fact that he's that he tolerated... You're talking about the slap? So, like him? So, so he, if you watch the footage, when the joke was told, he laughed. Then he got a disapproving look from her, and then he reacted. Oh, see, I read that differently. When the joke was told, he laughed, and then he looked, and he saw his woman look hurt, and he reacted. Did he overreact? Yes. But he actually went immediately into protective mode. So that was actually how I read that. I read that as, because that happens all the time. Men think shit's funny that women don't think is funny. <laughs> and a man is sitting there laughing. He's like, that's the funniest thing I ever heard. And then you look and you see the look. So he saw, in my opinion, he saw a stricken look on his woman. And he knows her well enough to know instantly that that meant she was hurt. And he overprotected. So his 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 caveman came right up and went on the stage and did. So for me, it's um, actually it's like, babe, maybe don't hit him in the face next time. But I got you. My man popped up and protected me. Yeah, and I think a- that's why she's sitting there. She's got his back. It's like it's like it's like somebody slaps me on the ass. My guy can tell him off or my guy might break their nose. If he breaks their nose and goes to jail, I'm bailing him out, you know. That was that was for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be I'd be leaving that person in a pool of blood. Um, yeah, we can which- so I, you know, my my deep visceral. It's like if I was somewhere that public and that important to me, and someone did something that immediately broke my heart, and my husband saw that and reacted aggressively, I would protect him. I'd be like, maybe that wasn't the best call, but he did that on behalf of me, so he's welcome in this bed anytime. <laughs> well, that's I, just, he's on my side. You've shifted my perspective then. If that is the case, because I, I mean, like I said, I haven't spent a lot of time studying it, but it's a really, it's an interesting test case and a great perspective to challenge my own thinking as well. I might've been caught up on whatever happened on Twitter, which happens from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> God damn Twitter. Um, do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today? Concluding thoughts for your men. In whatever way, in whatever medium that you can find to learn, do that. So listen to Laban. He's good. He's the world's best courage coach. So you're already in a good spot. Find the people that you resonate with. If the way of the superior man works for you, go for the way of the superior man. If if videos work, there's videos. If books work, there's books Be mindful that it's always going to be about something in you that somebody broke or didn't validate a wound that you have. And when you square that, you can be a confident man. And a confident man is safe for a woman to be around. And when a woman feels safe, she is happy. She is sexual. She'll express herself. She will blossom like a flower and your home will be peaceful. 
So you want to be the confident man. You want to be the responsible man. And if your woman is truly an alpha, show this to her or send her my stuff. Or I've had men buy gift certificates. Look, honey, I want a gift certificate. (laughs) (laughs) That's genius. (laughs) Very. Help her to help herself so that she stops pulling on you so the couple can survive. Ladies and gentlemen, Tonya Dyer. Esquire. I got superpowers, superpowers. Working seven days a week and 24 hours. Yup, I got the business saying this boy sure is up to something. Why don't you come and listen? Just don't hit the power button. They say I'm crazy when I say I got the superpowers. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training where I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.